Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is the second in our series on the five covenants of baptism. Hear the word of God and share in the Lord's Supper. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I am Pastor Amanda Zenzelo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I am Deacon Bonnie, the deacon at Central Lutheran and facilitator of this series. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Deacon Bonnie, welcome back. Woo-woo. Thank you. Okay, so last week was live among God's faithful people, and this week I'm guessing that the covenant means go to church. Am I right? That would be one way of fulfilling the covenant, but I think there are many. Okay. Tell me a little more about that. Well, the covenant is to hear the word of God and share in the Lord's Supper. And I think most traditional Christians associate that with what you do in communal worship. But there are lots of times and places and ways to hear, particularly to hear the word of God, but also to share the Lord's Supper in small group gatherings, to share it in our family homes the way we have been during the pandemic. These things are not exclusive to the sacred building. Absolutely. Do they have to be done together? Is it okay to do one and then maybe the other a little bit later? Or is it a thing that comes in tandem? Uh, They don't have to come together, although it is a little hard to imagine sharing in the Lord's Supper without encountering the Word of God, since the words of institution are in our scripture and come from Jesus. So I think just in constituting the meal, you have been exposed to the Word of God. And that's where Um, I was going to go as well, is that you can hear the Word of God without taking in the supper, but I don't know that you can participate in the supper without encountering the Word of God. So when you talk about hearing the Word of God, if you're not talking about church, where else are you going to hear that? Everywhere. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Can I get it for instance? Well, I believe it was St. Francis who said, uh, preach the gospel always, and if necessary, use words. Yep. So, you know, we often think about the Word of God as the written scripture that we know now in our Bible, but there is the Word of God that we encounter in one another, and in all of God's creation. So the word is not limited to just what is considered Holy Scripture. And there's a play on this as well, because sometimes we call Jesus the Word of God, and we use a capital W instead of a lowercase w. So sometimes when we say the Word of God, we might mean the scriptures and the holy sacred texts of our faith. And sometimes when we talk about the Word of God, we mean Jesus to encounter Jesus enfleshed and embodied within and through one another and the living of the sacred texts through the way that we live our lives. So it's kind of like how the Gospel of John has lots and lots of meanings, and the more you dig into it, the deeper it goes. This particular covenant, you can take it super literally, or you can start to dig under it and let it have a little bit more opportunity to kind of fly into other places. Am I making any sense? I think so. Okay, when we talk about some of these covenants, I'm curious about what kind of time frame. Is this a, you should be doing these covenants daily, weekly, monthly, or is it whenever it happens is good? Well, as I said last week, Martin Luther 
instructs us to remember our baptism daily when we wash our faces. So I think that looking at our lives through the lens of these covenants is a constant. What we're doing in our baptismal covenants is taking up the life of Jesus, is making these commitments that allow us to be continually conformed to the life of Christ. And so that takes conscious engagement on a regular basis. There are times when we find ourselves more engaged in maybe one dimension than another, but they are all part of what guides us in our daily walk as a Christian. And I would say that if you want to take this to specifics, we live in the Word of God, that bigger sense of the Word of God, every minute of every day. And I think that, you know, we have some listeners who aren't necessarily folks who are as familiar with the faith and those kinds of pieces. And we have some folks who are kind of cradle Lutherans who are along the road with us. But if we take this idea that living in the Word of God is to live our faith daily, as Deacon is talking about here, it's not something that is about opening the Bible and reading it from cover to cover every single year, or pulling out a Bible journal and journaling from a scripture verse every single day. You can do those things. It is also about keeping your faith as a part of how you make your decisions and how you live your life with integrity to what you've learned from your faith and who Jesus is. That is living in the Word of God in some ways. And so for that, I would say that, yeah, it's a daily thing. It's a minute-by-minute thing. It can be a lot. The supper is different, right? Because the supper is contingent in our denomination upon having access to a rostered, ordained minister of word and sacrament. And so that makes that a different piece. Sure. And even that, the frequency with which you have done it in the past has changed, correct? Absolutely. There are members within our community who remember when communion was semi-annually. What? Mm-hmm. And my first call congregation, when I arrived there, we were still doing communion once a month. I think that's how it was when I first joined. And I remember sitting there the weeks that we didn't have communion, looking around going, this is so strange, having grown up Catholic. It seems not right. Yeah. And both of the congregations, my first and second call, did not have communion every single Sunday when I arrived there. By the time I left, they both did but not when I arrived. Why do you think these two are paired? And does the frequency of one, how does that affect the other, right? Because you can have the word without the supper, but if the supper is as important, why doesn't it happen more often or why didn't it happen more often? I'll take this one from the piety history of our country. So think about North America and how it was settled and we think about Lutherans and how we kind of spread across the country, there was a whole big center section of our country where there were a lot of Lutherans, Mm -hmm. but not a lot of pastors. And so you would have one pastor who rode circuit and maybe could only make it to all of the congregations once a month. So then once a month becomes normal, or maybe even semi-annually, during frontier settling, right? That there would be one pastor sent before there were seminaries in the United States. They would be sent from 
whatever from Sweden or from Finland or whatever Scandinavian country, they'd come over and they would serve a whole region and might get there semi-annually. So then our daily theology in our culture shifts to meet our practice. And so even though it used to be in the time of Martin Luther, communion every week, you get to the United States in the time of settlement and it's twice a year. So then we create reasons for it to be twice a year. Okay. Like we need to be pure. We need to be prepared fully for this event. Communion becomes super sacred because it is so rare. And then after a generation of that or two, we begin to think that's the way that it should be. Mm -hmm. And then when you go to make changes, because now there are more pastors and we have seminaries in the same country and travel is easier and all those different pieces, then it becomes, well, but then... This way we've always done it. Uh huh. And it doesn't feel as special anymore because we're doing it so often. It takes away the sacredness of it, or I don't have the time to contemplate my worthiness as much anymore. So this kind of pietistic heritage, which is when we talk about that in Lutheran circles, the pietistic heritage we're talking about is this kind of doing the work to make certain that we're worthy of the sacrament. Mm-hmm comes from that kind of a base. And there is a movement, there has been a movement in the years of my ministry to kind of go back against that pietistic measure to say, we will have communion every week. You don't have to have confession before you come and receive communion. We aren't necessarily registering everyone for communion. We don't keep communion cards the way that we used to keep communion cards. All of those pieces have shifted probably in the last 15 to 20 years. It's been very recent. Interesting. I don't know how it is in the middle. I don't know how it is in the Midwest, but this is my experience on the West Coast. So Bonnie may be able to speak more visiting friends in the Midwest or visiting family going back home. But that's a big shift. And the frequency of the Lord's Supper and the ability to receive it easily is a big shift. My experience of the Midwest is reflective in some ways of the same considerations that you were talking about in sort of early settlement. Uh, so what happens in rural congregations that may or may not have a an ordained pastor present is very different than what we see in the larger congregations in Midwestern cities. So my experience in Midwestern cities is weekly communion. My experience growing up, even though we had an ordained pastor present, was monthly communion with registration cards, even though it was a town where you knew everyone uh, <laughs> and you knew their parents and their parents' parents. But you still <laughs> needed to write your name down, that you were going to take communion and that you were essentially qualified, that you had been confirmed, that you know, that you belonged, that you had the right to be at the table. So I know in the rural areas that it's still can be infrequent because of the need to have an ordained person and to not always have one. So, Yeah. And that's a big deal. I think when it comes to this part of our covenants is hinging the access to the Lord's Supper on a rostered word and sacrament leader. There is conversation in the wider church around this. There's a lot of conversation about practices around this. 
Right now, as we're in the pandemic, there's a lot of conversation around this because many of us are serving online. Mm -hmm. And Presiding Bishop Eaton has asked us to not preside over communion on our online worship services. And some bishops in the Conference of Bishops have said, yes, these things can happen. Some have said, I'll look the other way. Some have said, don't do it. It's a rich conversation. One of the resources that I appreciated early in the pandemic was from Bishop Kemple in Idaho. And she wrote a document based on Martin Luther's writing about communion in the home. Martin had written kind of a whole guide about how it is that a household could engage in the Lord's Supper at home together. And that the head of household, as he wrote it, would be the one to preside at the table, but gave a thumbs up for it. And so in our theology, we have that, which is what opened the door for me to feel like we could find our way into offering communion online. But I'll say it was hard at the beginning. Super, super, super hard to do at the yeah. beginning. And why yeah. is that? Just because it felt not quite right? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. It's definitely different. It's fascinating hearing you say that because for me, going to church and not getting communion when I first joined as a Lutheran seemed very much not right. Mm -hmm. And it does make sense to me that Martin Luther would have written something because he seemed to be somebody who would want to bring it to the masses in a way that would include everything, right? Mm -hmm. It will be interesting to see as the pandemic goes on how that changes things. And if we finally get out of that, but this is the way we've always done it kind of mentality. Well, and it's just interesting when we think about how we think about communion in general. I think that that's why that comes up. And I think we've done previous podcasts on communion mm -hmm. on some of this stuff. So folks can go back and kind of listen in. But specifically to our baptismal covenant, the call is to find a way to engage in receiving that sacrament, that taste, that ability to touch, that ability to know God's presence in a really palpable way and to receive the kind of fortification that the supper gives to us in the same way that we get fortified and built up by listening to the word of God, by seeing Jesus in one another, by seeing how our faith and the word is lived out in a daily minute by minute kind of a way. Excellent. Okay. So especially now in the pandemic, it's harder for people to sort of find a community, get together, do things for people who are having troubles with this particular covenant, do you have any advice for them on how to hear the word of God and then share in a supper? The resources these days are actually astounding. The ability to read and or listen to sermons, reflections, devotions is endless. Uh, when I think about just thinking back to my growing up, my connection to hearing the Word of God was either the Bible in my home, and particularly my mother, or our pastor. And then, you know, the Sunday school uh, within our church when I was a youth. But other than the Sunday afternoon televangelists, there was really nothing that I was exposed to. And there certainly wasn't anything that felt like choice, that felt like, oh, I've read this person and this person and this person, and I find myself fed and encouraged and nurtured by. 
that set of selections, I mean, we didn't even have a library, so it wasn't even like I had access to theology books, uh, mm-hmm. not to mention to just Google and hear somebody's think piece looking at scripture and looking at a current event that's happened within the last eight hours. So that's all pretty different. So in this pandemic time, seeking out podcasts and seeking out, really, you'll never be able to have as much freedom to pick a worship service from anywhere in the world as you have right now. That's very true. Preachers and churches who are online right now who may not be online after the pandemic, but right now the ability to drop in is there for us. That is one way to resource um, hearing the Word of God and hearing people reflect on the Word of God. I really do find that our current situation of the pandemic invites us to remember the sacredness of our homes. Okay. Meaning that, you know, we used to lead very fractured lives where everything happened somewhere else. So we went to church somewhere else. Most of us went to work somewhere else. We even went to the gym somewhere else. Mm -hmm. We often saw our friends somewhere else. And so now we've all pulled back into our homes. And I think there's a real opportunity for us to remember weekly and daily faith practices centered in our sacred homes. And uh, that includes being able to hold your own Bible in your hands, to read scripture, even if you're reading the scripture that's just for the Sunday ahead, to make time and space in your life to hear the word of God. And I encourage reading the Bible out loud to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That is how scripture is intended to be heard. And so now might be a good time to try what might feel like a very strange practice, but it's a very strange time. That's true. So give it a try. Start following the lectionary. Just read what's coming up for the next Sunday and read it out loud to yourself. That is, I think, a very powerful way to engage with the Word of God. It's an interesting way to get back to it being an oral tradition. Okay, last week, I think we mentioned Philippians, which you are also using in your discussions weekly. Can you tell me a little more about why you chose that? And are we talking the entire book or certain sections of it? I didn't choose it. It was recommended by the format I'm following that comes from the ELCA. Okay. And there was nothing that really told me why they chose it. So I had to go and look and and remind myself, what's Philippians about? And why would we be anchoring this conversation in Philippians? And it really is that Philippians is a very short book. I believe it's only four short chapters. I think in my little print Bible, it's like four pages. Okay. And this is a letter from Paul to the early church in Philippi, really encouraging and instructing them in what it means to follow Jesus and what it means to be a community that follows Jesus. And that those things aren't separate, that following Jesus isn't a solo walk. So there is encouragement that gives direction for the individual, but also for the individual living in community. And so it makes sense to me that they have rooted this question of reflecting on the covenants of our baptism in what Paul's instructions were to the early church. That makes sense. I'm going to remind people that if they are interested, I will link again 
to that video that you had suggested about Philippians, and that will be there as well as the videos that you did with members of Central talking about these particular covenants each week. It's on the podcast page for anybody who wants it. Can I put a little plug in for this week's video? Please do. This week's video is from Central's Communion Breadmaker. So we hear from Chris about her experience of beginning to make communion bread really 15 to 20 years ago now. Oh, wow. And what that means to her and what that experience is like and why she chooses to love and feed her community in this way. That's an inspired choice with the sharing of the Lord's Supper. Yeah, I was very excited that she accepted my invitation. I wanted our communion bread maker to tell us what sharing in the Lord's Supper means for her heart. That's excellent. All right, that's going to lead me to my last question. Do you feel like the topic this week, this covenant, is more important than last week's? Or do you feel like they're equal? I think that our covenants speak to us at different times in our lives. Okay. So... I don't think that there's a winner in the race between the five that really, you know, covenant number five is optional as long as you're doing covenants one, two, and three. Sure. You can pick and choose. Four and five. Yeah. I feel like our lives are so seasonal, are so dynamic, are so fluid that time passes and we, we either haven't needed to consciously think about, am I keeping my commitment to hear the word of God and partake in the Lord's Supper. And it doesn't even cross your mind because it's, you know, the school year and you've been in church three out of every four Sundays of every month. And then, you know, May, June comes and you get to September and you think, oh, I've missed this. I did these other journeys. And if I didn't think about how to fold in, how will I experience the word of God? If I'm not gathering with my community, where will I get the Lord's Supper if I'm not gathering with my community? Then that may wax and wane. So I think they take different impetus in our life depending on what's going on. But for a balanced support in our faith walk, it's important to pursue all five covenants with intention. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda and Deacon Bonnie, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about hearing the Word of God and sharing in the Lord's Supper. I look forward to sitting down with both of you next week on the next topic. As do I. And thank you all for joining us. We look forward to exploring the baptismal covenants with you in the weeks to come. And until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.